0: And Welcome into the Tiger Woods Podcast, right here on the Believe Podcast Network. Of course, the number one network for professionals. Cam Rogers coming at you. It's U.S. Open week in September, nearing apple picking season, but I am here for it. You are here for it. Tiger Woods is on site for it at Winged Foot Golf Club. It's going to be... One interesting test of golf, and we will get into it here on the Tiger Woods Podcast. Cam Rogers with you, riding solo on this program. Speaking of being on site, Bridget is there at Winkedfoot Foot this week, so hopefully she feeds me some pretty interesting information and... I will spread what I can on Twitter at MrRogers99 and on Instagram at MrRogers98. So hit me up there, slide into the old DMs, let me know what you think about the program. Of course, I will be across the airwaves this week doing interviews across the country. Just did one with Tampa Bay this morning. That will be up tomorrow, being Wednesday. This recording here on Tuesday morning. So keep up on my Twitter. I will keep you guys updated on my interviews throughout the week. Always enjoy doing them and interacting with various hosts out there. Of course, the Tiger Woods podcast is presented by Betonline.ag. The wait is finally over. You know it. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place. And there is always the online casino that never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses that are out there. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Of course, you can throw some cash down on the U.S. Open this week. I will give you my prediction later in the show. But BetOnline is indeed your online sportsbook experts. Okay, the US Open this week, so full preview for you guys talking about winged foot golf club, some weather, the favorites. I'll get into some storylines for this tournament and of course, we will spend plenty of time talking about Tiger Woods's chances. At hoisting his 16th major championship in his career, can he get it done this week? I will tell you later in the program, and of course, a little twist actually, I will have my top 10 power rankings for this week, so I will count you down from 10 to 1, 1 being my expert pick for this week. And then, of course, Bridget will have her prediction as well. I will let you know what that is. And then, finally, what is Tiger Woods's finishing projection at this tournament? Again, I will tell you right here on the Tiger Woods podcast. All right, so Wayne Foot Golf Club, par 70, just a shade over 7,400 yards, a field of 144 players. So it's not a full-field event, not the typical 156 players. Of course— We couldn't really do the open qualifying this year due to the COVID-19 pandemic. So those who qualified last year are playing this year. Top 60 and ties make the weekend. So that's typical for the PGA Tour restart regulations. The cut line is even skinnier here as we stand during this pandemic. So if you're playing fantasy golf, Getting 6 of 6 through to the weekend, if you're playing DraftKings, really, really important. This will be the 6th U.S. Open at Winged Foot, by the way. Only Oakmont and Baltistral have hosted more. And how about this? Mike Davis, the USGA chief executive, calls Winged Foot, quote, the quintessential U.S. Open golf course. And boy, does it show on the finishing scores for the winners in the history of this course. 2006, Jeff Ogilvy, of course, winning at 5 over par. 1984, actually was 4 under. 1974, plus 7. No major has had a higher winning score since, by the way. And then in 1959, plus 2. You are going to see these players struggle this week. So if you are a mediocre golfer like I am... You're going to be seeing a lot of what you hit on the golf course on your television sets. I can't believe I just said that or your laptop, iPad, etc. All right? That's more modern. And it's going to be a change. But I will point to some corollary courses, some corollary events in the recent weeks. A the Memorial Tournament which played extremely difficult, won by John Rahm. B the BMW Championship which was played at Olympia Fields, of course, a U.S. Open setup, that played very difficult too. So if you want to target some favorites or sleepers at this tournament, look at those two leaderboards. They'll tell you a really interesting story because when you're projecting the U.S. Open, it's not like any other tournament, kind of like the Masters. Masters is relied heavily on course knowledge and course history. The U.S. Open is relied heavily on, are you a grinder? We don't need birdie makers this week if you're projecting the leaderboard. You need grind-it-out, scrambling, strong, short-game type of golfers who can drive the ball well. Obviously, irons are paramount. Gary Woodland showed us that. I think he gained over eight strokes with his approach last year. Winning the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. Obviously, yes, the iron game is critical. But there are other aspects you have to really zone in on, too. Not everybody going to hit the greens. You're going to have to learn to scramble. All right? got to save yourself. The rough is going to be five inches long. I saw a video from Golf Magazine. An Arnold Palmer can, which is one of those tall boys, right? Into the ground. In the rough. You could only see the top of it only see the top of it. So this rough is going to be extremely penal. Extremely difficult. The Greens registering as a 13 on the stimp meter, which is quite fast. Not the Masters fast, but it's fast. And some quotes. How about David Faraday, who will be a part of the broadcast team this week? Quote, there will be whining. And there typically is at the U.S. Open, but it's like at the end of the day, everybody's going through the same course, so I really don't understand <laughs> why there should be complaining. It's not like one set of golfers are playing the Traveler's course, TPC River Highlands, and the other set is playing at Wingfoot. No, everybody's playing the same course. John Rahm, quote, I don't see how anybody shoots under par. That is stunning to me. Shane Lowry, quote, it's going to be one of the toughest U.S. Opens we will face. Each of the past nine winners of the U.S. Open have ranked inside the top 20 in greens and regulation percentage for that week. So, you really have to have your entire game on point. Aside from maybe, maybe, a lightning good putter. Because you don't need to make a lot of birdies like I said you have to scramble and if you're one putting to save par from 10 feet you know that's good you don't need to knock in 30 footers 40 footers for eagles and birdies that's not required this weekend you know that so greens 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 and greens hitting the fairways I don't necessarily believe that you need to hit it far at this course even though it's playing longer, actually, than TPC Harding Park did, and that was a par 70 for the PGA Championship. But what I'm getting at is there's no one specific golfer, and rarely is there, that can perform well at this course. Anybody can perform well. Brian Harmon finished inside the top 10 not too long ago at the U.S. Open, and he's one of these shorter golfers on the PGA Tour. Brandon Grace, a shorter golfer, but really good short game couple of top tens at the U.S. Open in his career. He will be on site at Winged Foot this week. So, if you're trying to kind of picture a leaderboard here, it could be quite a mix of golfers. How about the weather? We're looking at a high of 80 on Thursday. Great. Love to see it. The rest of the way, we're talking about highs in the mid-60s to lows In the 50s and perhaps upper 40s in the morning the rest of the way so that will make for firmer faster conditions no doubt so getting your ball to stop on the green is going to be extremely difficult coming out of the rough for sure but even from the fairway because of these firmer greens not a lot of precipitation that i could see on the forecast so, again, it just alludes to carnage. I mean, we could be looking at guys a plus five winning score again. We really could. So, keep that in mind here as you're kind of thinking about who could win this week. And of course, I will talk about Tiger Woods. How about the favorites this week? Dustin Johnson, rightfully so, eight to one to hoist the trophy on Sunday evening. John Rahm, second. This is interesting. Rory McIlroy third with twelve to one odds. Then you have Bryson, J.T. at fourteen to one. Shoffley Morikawa at eighteen to one. Then there's Cantlay, at twenty five to one. Hideki Matsuyama, who I always love at major championships, but especially the U.S. Open, twenty eight to one. Alongside Justin Rose, Tiger Woods, and Webb Simpson winner at Olympic back in 2012, Daniel Berger, Jason Day, Tony Finau, Tommy Fleetwood all at 33 to 1 and then Adam Scott, a major champion at the Masters not too long ago, 35 to 1 odds. And so if you're looking at a winner, I think it's one of those names. You get outside of 40 to 1 odds and, you know, you're just throwing darts at that point. So you really have to go chalky this week if you're trying to throw some money down on betonline.ag, perhaps. Projecting a winner this week at winged foot. And speaking of what could have been and who could have been Phil Mickelson, 2006. I know people are wondering, hey, does he have a chance this week? Can he redeem himself at winged foot? I just don't see it. I really, really don't. And trust me, I'll be honest, it's 1A, Tiger Woods winning on Sunday, but it's 1B, Phil Mickelson winning this thing on Sunday. That would be the story of the year in sports. If Phil Mickelson, over the age of 50, just barely, wins the U.S. Open, completes the career grand slam after six... Runner-up finishes at this very tournament, one of them being painfully executed at winged foot in 2006. That would be quite the feat. Phil is at 80-1, to and I'll be honest, he's just not playing well. As simple as that. I mean, yes, he won on the Champions Tour. Congratulations, that's the Champions Tour. It is to be expected that Phil finishes inside the top 15 every single week he plays on the Champions Tour, but when he's playing on the PGA Tour, especially a U.S. Open, uh, yeah, I don't feel great about it, honestly. He doesn't have a top 25 at this tournament since 2013 at Marion, where he, of course, finished second to Justin Rose. This has been a long time. I mean, it's been seven years since a top 25. That's a long time to struggle at the U.S. Open, and then all of a sudden figure it out have we seen the anomalies before absolutely tom watson in 2009 at the open championship at turnberry yeah he was there (laughs) and he was old at the time still so can it happen sure can anybody like a phil mickelson or a tiger woods do it in their 50s absolutely is it gonna happen this week i just don't see it I just don't see it, and he's just so wayward with his drive right now that he's going to be hacking it out of this 5-inch rough consistently, and the reality is you are not going to hit these greens very often coming out of that rough. I mean, you're staring at on the green and 3, saving par, and sometimes even just pitching out of the rough because you can't even like risk hitting a full approach shot in case you keep it in the rough after that. So, I mean, it's all stacked against Phil. That is to say, is there a chance? Sure. If you had to point a gun to my head and say, Cam, what's the percentage? Five? Five percent chance he wins on Sunday? And I think that's generous. I really do. So, for Phil Mickelson, can he do it? Probably not. Would it be... A hell of a story if he's on that first page of the leaderboard on Sunday. 100%. People will be dialed in. But I just don't see it happening. Okay. Like I mentioned, in determining a winner, look at those leaderboards from the Memorial and the BMW Championship. That is a big storyline for me. By the way, there's a certain person who won both of those events. His name is John Rahm. He's second in odds to... Dustin Johnson, and Rom is really starting to prove to the golfing world that he can be that difficult golf course player. Which is something that I really didn't believe could happen just because of sometimes having a short temper, but also because, you know, when I think about John Rom, I think about Birdie Fest, right? Hitting par fives and two, Eagles, Birdies. Excitement, not grind it out. But John Rahm is proving that he is that type of golfer. Am I picking him to win this week at the U.S. Open? No, I am not. And I think variance is at play here just because he's won twice pretty darn recently. It is really hard to win a third time in such a short span on the PGA Tour, let alone the U.S. Open. So, for John Rahm, it's going to be an uphill climb, even for him. And also for this guy, who's part of my next storyline, Dustin Johnson. Can he do it again? This guy has been on an absolute tear. Nobody is playing better. He's the FedEx Cup champion. He's red hot. His putter is fantastic. The rest of the game, you know how it is. Can he win this week at the US Open? 100%? He's the favorite. Do I see him doing it? No. Why? Here's the thing. What we have learned here in this PGA Tour restart is that these golfers go through their spurts of fantastic play and then things start to level off a little bit. Remember Bryson DeChambeau when we were saying he was the best player in the world? Well, he has faded pretty badly. And I don't think he really has much of a chance this week at the U.S. Open. I don't think he really will the rest of his career unless he, unless he changes his game a little bit because he's just way too wayward with his drive. And I'm sorry, you can hit it 340, but if you're hacking it out of that rough, you're not going to hit it close. You're just not. So I don't give him much of a chance. But for Dustin Johnson, I think regression to the mean could be happening a little bit here. And again, this is all counterintuitive to what he has been doing. He has been lighting it up. But maybe his run is kind of coming to an end here. Maybe there's a little bit of a, you know, football term. Super Bowl hangover. I don't know. He's the FedEx Cup champion. And so let's not forget, by the way, he won the Travelers Championship and then shot a couple of 80s. So it's like there is that element of volatility with Dustin Johnson. It's not like every week he's going to finish inside the top 25, right? He's not Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas is far more consistent, in my opinion. And Jason Day, by the way, had a string of top 10 finishes not too long ago. And what happened? Well, you know, he finished outside the top 10 a couple more times after that. So it is extremely difficult, by the way, to keep up this pace. This is not an indictment on Dustin Johnson whatsoever. This is actually a compliment to the rest of the golfing world, the rest of the field here this week. We're talking about a major championship with a lot of players who I like this week, and so, you know, from a DraftKings perspective, he's way too expensive. From a betting perspective, there's no reason to throw money on this guy. There's just no value. He's the favorite. So for Dustin Johnson, you know, there's that element of pressure coming off that FedEx Cup win as well. Now, I don't think something like that, you know, going down narrative street, if you will, would affect Dustin. But, you know, it's something to ponder a little bit. So the internal debate that I've been having about this course about this tournament is driving distance and does it matter more compared to accuracy let's look at the numbers only four winners in the past 16 years have ranked higher for accuracy off the tee than they have for length now that is a little misleading and it is because you could be really really good in a particular week at driving distance but also accuracy off the tee, but you're just better marginally at distance, right? So maybe you do rank higher in the distance, but you're still hitting fairways. So that one's a little misleading, but it's something to ponder. How about this one, though? 12 of the last 16 winners have ranked inside the top 10 for driving distance. This is at the U.S. Open compared to just four inside the top 10 for driving accuracy. Again, you could also say, all right, what if you were top five in driving distance, but top 15 in driving accuracy? That's a pretty darn good combo. So, I mean, again, digest that as you will. How about Jeff Ogilvy in 2006? He ranked sixth in driving distance. This is kind of like what I was alluding to. And 21st in driving accuracy in a field of 156 players. That's pretty darn good. 13th in greens and regulation, and 5th for scrambling. So, like I said at the beginning of the show, complete game across the board. Maybe the putter can be a little bit average, but if everything else is clicking, you're going to be up there on the first page of that leaderboard on Sunday. I guarantee it. So, again, what is the answer? I guess there really isn't an answer in terms of what matters more. I guess marginally it's driving distance, I guess, if you look at these trends. But you still have to hit more fairways than not to be a winner at the U.S. Open. That's just a fact. And I think especially true this week at Winged Foot, which is going to be extremely difficult. And I am really intrigued about the finishing score for Sunday. Could it be plus seven again? I really think it could. Depends on the weather a little bit and the wind, because that throws in a whole new element, right? How about Tiger's chances? The moment you've all been waiting for. Does he have a realistic shot at the U.S. Open this week? My answer is no. But there's always a chance, right? There's always a but, a footnote, an asterisk next to Tiger Woods when you're talking about his ability to win a particular PGA Tour event. Bridget and I have talked about this multiple times when we try to project Tiger's finishing position, it's like, okay, we'll go T30, but could he win? Absolutely. From 1997 to 2008, Tiger Woods played 46 major championships and made the cut in 45 of them. The only major in which he failed to play the weekend was what? The 2006 US Open at Winged Foot, where he opened with 76-76, to finish at 12 over for the week. By the way, Tiger went on to finish first or second in seven of his next eight majors after that. So, I mean, there are some bad memories, shall we say, about 2006 and this very course. I guess the question is, what was it about Winged Foot that week that yielded Woods to miss the cut and not make the weekend. Was it just a bad week? Was he not feeling it? Was he not mentally there? I find that hard to believe, especially 2006 Tiger Woods. But again, I think we have to look more at his play right now, more so than the course history 14 years ago. I mean, it's 2020. We're talking about four back surgeries later, a lot more aging as well for Tiger Woods. So the reality of his game right now is the following. Tiger's putter is a mess, and I find it hard to believe he can figure it out at the quote-unquote quintessential U.S. Open golf course. And I know I said that putting really isn't paramount. It doesn't need to be elite. It does have to be average. And Tiger's putter is below average right now. I mean, he is really struggling with his speed, with his feel, and we know how big of a feel golfer he is. Now, should he have played last week at the Safeway Open to perhaps better prepare? 100% not. And he got in some time with Justin Thomas ahead of time at Wingfoot before everybody came to the course. So he got some good tape down, if you will, uh, and good practicing. What does it mean for his chances this week? I don't think it really matters too, too much. We talked about this at the PGA Championship. He went early to TPC Harding Park, and what happened? Well, he finished T37, so it's like, okay, great. It's just kind of an anecdotal piece that we can kind of go off of. His irons are good. They're fine. But allow me to reference the BMW Championship and also the Memorial The corollary courses that I have this week. T40 at the Memorial. T51 at the BMW. And remember, that was a field of 70. So two extremely difficult U.S. Open-like setups. And he wasn't in contention. I am nervous. And by the way, I wish I could sing from the mountaintops that Tiger Woods is going to be inside the top five this week at the very worst. I really wish. But I'm nervous about his wayward tee shot and hitting it into that rough with that delicate back that he has and the soon-to-be cooler temperatures on Friday and Saturday and Sunday and having his health be a part of the story. Because if he's hitting it all over the park and getting on the green in three, what are you doing? You're saving par hole in and hole out, right? And I did mention that birdies really don't matter too much this week. In fact, they matter very little, which is weird to say about a PGA Tour event. But you still have to have that parter pretty average or above average to save yourself. And I have no confidence that he can save himself right now with his putter. His irons are great, there's no doubt. Uh, But this rough is legit. And so even hacking it out of that rough with the good long irons that he has, I worry about his back holding up. Now, am I assuming that he's going to get hurt? No, absolutely not. But it is something to monitor here as Tiger Woods gets older and plays in more and more U.S. Opens and PGA Championships. I just don't think they set up well for him. For the Masters? Oh, just wait. Just wait. He will be a factor there, no doubt, for many years. But as for the U.S. Open this week, I just don't think it's a great setup. I said the same thing about the PGA Championship, too. I'm not a fan. I just don't like it. And so I have to kind of put my analyst hat on and tell you that The recent form isn't there. T51 at the BMW, T58 at the Northern Trust, T37 at the PGA, T40 at the Memorial. Not one top 25. His last top 10 was in January. His putter is extremely volatile. Sometimes it's okay, but most of the time it's not. Unless he hits irons off the tee consistently and leaves himself with long approach shots into the green, I don't think he has much of a chance. And is he going to hit a lot of irons off the tee? I don't think so. I don't think that's going to be his game plan. But maybe it will be, especially with the firmer conditions on Friday through Sunday. I think that would actually be a really tasteful approach if you're Tiger Woods. Put the driver in the bag, please. All right? Three wood at the very longest, or go with the long irons off the tee, And leave yourself with, yes, long approach shots into the greens, but Tiger's really good with his approach shots from, like, 175 out. So why not tap into that strength, right? And you don't need to hit the ball close to the hole either. Most people won't. Just get it on the green. Green's in regulation. Two-putt, move on. So, Tiger Woods is finishing position this week. I don't think he wins. I'm sorry. I don't think he finishes inside the top 10. I think he makes the weekend. Uh, You have a lot of golfers this week competing, uh, and a lot of them don't really have good chances to make the weekend. If you take a look at some of the names there, some European tour guys coming over, and some guys with not good U.S. Open experience. So I think that yields Tiger to make the weekend. But... I don't think he'll be a factor. I have something along the lines of T-44, kind of a random one, but T-44 is what I have in mind, and I think that kind of falls in line with his recent form, like I talked about earlier. All right, let's talk about my official power rankings for this week. 10 through 1, I'll throw them up on Twitter as well. Number 10, Adam Scott. And by the way, as I go through these names they are going to be guys who have been on the leaderboards at U.S. Opens before because I'm looking for that prototypical U.S. Open experienced golfer who has been on that leaderboard, who has been in that arena before. Adam Scott, one of those guys. Last year finished 7th at the U.S. Open, 4th in 2015, 9th in 2014, rarely misses the cut at major championships, and usually is a factor. So he is a safe bet. I got him at 10. How about number nine? Louis Oustazen, the South African, a winner at the Open Championship in 2010. And how about this run of tournaments at the U.S. Open for Louis? Seventh last year, 16th the year before, then 23rd, 23rd, 2nd. Hasn't finished outside the top 25 since 2014, where he finished. 40th, all right? So, Louie is that prototypical U.S. Open grinded-out player, so he's at number 9 in my rankings. I like him a lot. Jason Day at number 8. The concern with him, actually, is somewhat of a Tiger Woods storyline, his back, his health, how is he going to hold up, and like I mentioned, Jason Day was on quite a tear earlier this year, not too long ago, like weeks ago. His irons were fantastic, and he has one of the best short games on the PGA Tour. But then he kind of dropped off a little bit. But still, I like him this week just because of his U.S. Open history. There was a string of top 10 finishes for four straight years from 2013 to 2016. So 13, 14, 15, 16, 2nd, 4th, 9th, 8th. Missed a couple of cuts the next two years, 21st last year. Jason Day has that U.S. Open build. So he is in there at number eight. Speaking of a U.S. Open, this guy won one not too long ago. Webb Simpson in at number seven. He just has an all-around good game. The only weakness is his driver, but typically, Webb plays well at par-70 courses where you don't have to hit it as long, although this will be somewhat long. But he has one of those complete games that I was talking about, right? That week that Jeff Ogilvy had in 2006, Webb can have that this week. He's at seven. Number six, Tony Finau. Look, it's going to happen at some point. He's going to win a major championship. He most certainly is going to win on the PGA Tour, perhaps into the double digits, He has been on too many leaderboards too often, especially at major championships. The Masters comes to mind, but he has played well at the U.S. Open too. Fifth place finished two years ago. He's got that bomber mentality. He can poke it out there, but he can also, right, hit long irons off the tee and still have moderately short approach shots into the greens. So that's a luxury, of course, of being a long hitter as well. You don't have to hit driver especially on a par 70. So, Tony Finau in there at number 6. Into the top 5 we go. Number 5, I was really close to picking him to win. I just don't think he has the win equity. But he will most certainly be floating there on Sunday. His name is Hideki Matsuyama and let me tell you, you want to talk about a US Open resume. This guy has been there, done that multiple times. 21st last year, 16th the year before, 2nd three years ago, only one missed cut in his U.S. Open experience, incredible tee to green game, great driver of the ball in general, the only thing is the putter, and he is typically one of the worst in the field at putting in whatever tournament he's playing in. I mean, it's really bad. Like, don't even watch Shot Tracker when you're watching Hideki Masayama because he'll stuff it five feet and then miss. But what? What did I say? You don't need the birdies. You don't need the birdies this week. So if you get on the green and two on a par five and three putt, boom, that's fine, Hideki. You can do that at the U.S. Open. So that's why I think he actually has such a good resume. Is like The putter can be just eh, you know, but he's hitting so many greens that it's all good. So he's there at number five. Number four, another grinder, a major champion back in 2018 at the Masters, Patrick Reed. I think this guy is close to winning another major. I like U.S. Opens for him just because of that grinder mentality. Really good short game. Really good potter. I mean, this guy can scramble with the best of them. And look, people are going to miss greens this week. So you might as well be good around all of them, to save yourself. So I think he actually has a really good chance at winning the U.S. Open this week. I would say these top four guys, really the top ten, but the top four in particular have extreme win equity, and I think Reed is one of them. Justin Thomas at number three. He's just built for major championships. He just is. He's got the resume. He's a major champion in his own right. And... I think he will be a factor. Nobody's talking about him because what? Everybody's talking about Rom and DJ and Tiger, of course, and Phil, the Cinderella story, if you will. But Justin Thomas really isn't getting a lot of attention, and I think we should pay more to him because this guy is going to be up there at number three in my power rankings. And then number two, this guy's getting actually a lot of talk in fantasy golf circles, if you will. Xander Shoffley. Has been a big game hunter for the last few years. WGC events, playoff events, major championships. The only time I like give him no chance is when he plays a really small PGA tour event. Like, he loves the stage. And you're not gonna get a lot of value in him with placing a bet. You might with this next guy. But even still, I think Xander, he's just got this overall game that is good. His irons, sometimes he'll bleed some strokes to the field, but he's so good with his driver, really good around the greens, and if he can just be average with his irons, look, he'll be right there on Sunday. Love Xander Shoffley this week. Not picking him to win. Number one on my list. This was actually a last-minute switch, but I'm going to do it. More of a gut feeling, kind of like what I did at the PGA. How'd that work out? Ricky Fowler missed the cut, but whatever. Tommy Fleetwood will win the U.S. Open, the Englishman. So he played last week on the European Tour in Portugal, finished inside the top 10. And reportedly, he wasn't even trying to win that week. He was trying to work on things. And usually when a golfer is working on things and admitting it, you don't like their chances in the short term to win a particular event. But he finished inside the top 10. So what does that tell me? He was working on things, A, and figured them out, B, and he carries that into New York to play at Winged Foot and compete and perhaps win. So I think I found something kind of in the narrative, in the weeds about Tommy Fleetwood, and I'm rolling with it. And by the way, this guy has a couple of top 10 finishes at the U.S. Open. He has not played in many, but hasn't missed the cut. Another kind of major championship gamer, if you will, like a Xander Shoffley. So give me Tommy Fleetwood to win the United States Open this week. As for Bridget, you gotta love it. She's going Xander Shoffley. So she's going with number two on my power rankings, which makes complete sense. I like the pick a lot, obviously. And by the way, the Safeway Open last week, Bridget went with Jordan Spieth. He missed the cut. I picked Taylor Gooch. He missed the cut. We both got zero dollars, so it's like the season starts this week for us. Last week was extremely hard to predict because that leaderboard was wild. But shout out to Stuart Sink, by the way, for winning for the first time since 2009 at the U.S. or at the uh, Open Championship. All right, so I go with Fleetwood. Bridget going with Xander Schauffele. We shall see who comes out victorious this week. Hopefully, Tiger Woods can be a factor. Hopefully, he can beat out my T-44 finish. If anybody can do it, it's Tiger Woods. He can surprise us, and we know that. I mean, he's the reigning Masters champion. Can't wait to predict the Masters coming up in a couple of months too in november so stay tuned for that this has been the tiger woods podcast right here on the believe podcast network thank you so much for coming along for the ride with me i will talk to you next week bridget will be back as well we'll see you then